best thing people can do. Just be there. Like, listen to me, look at me crying and just stay there. Don't run away. Don't try to fix me. I hear you, man. I, 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 I hear, I feel your pain. I'm right here. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we don't talk much about it. And when we do, we're not very good at it. And that includes me. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations with attempt survivors. And I hope better conversations. Now, we are talking about suicide, so please take that into account before you listen. I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. We have had listeners in Spain and Uruguay and Greece and Jordan. More and more people in more and more places because these stories matter and people need to hear them. If you are a suicide attempt survivor, and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk with you. Please reach out at hello at suicidenoted.com. And if you'd like to support this podcast, keep doing what you're doing. Listen to the podcast. Let people know about the podcast. And if you're on a platform that allows you to do it, rate or review the podcast. I really appreciate it. Today I am talking with Andy. Andy lives in Massachusetts. And he is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Andy, how you doing? Very good. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Most people are not going to go and hop on a podcast and talk about their struggles, particularly when it comes to suicide. You are not one of those people, or you wouldn't be here. And I'm wondering how you came to that point of, yeah, I'll talk about it. For me, it was after years of, of struggling and condemning myself and judging and why me and being a victim. And then finally I was like, you know, maybe I'm going through all this shit. So I'm supposed to share it and help people. And that really was, it was really just this maybe. And I think over 10 years ago, maybe even longer. And anyway, at some point I made my first like public video where I talked mm. about it and I was terrified, but I got nothing but positive feedback. Um, mm. So I was like, oh, and, and it, I discovered that it, it also, sharing my story again not to go oh poor me come pity me but just sharing my actual experience um it helped me and it helped others mm. so it just it was an easy thing not not easy to do but an easy thing that i fell into and realized there was value and i find just time and time again especially you know the more scared i am to share something it usually is like the better the payoff if i finally do mm -hmm. but again it comes from trial and error and you know, have I gone to like, I've got some videos where I'm just bawling really? and I, I don't even watch it. And I just trust. And I've, I've published things that I've never watched. Yeah. And I've only gotten good. I've only heard good reviews from those things. So, yeah. Yeah. Share with me, if you would, about the actual attempt, however you want to and are comfortable doing that. Cool. So I, uh, unfortunately, 
have made multiple attempts on my life. Um, I can remember having suicidal thoughts as early as eight years old, which really tells me that they were before that, um, because my memory of that memory of the thought was not like, oh my God, I'm having this horrible thought. It was just, that's the first time I can remember thinking about, it was like a conversation school of how, how would you want to die? And I kept mine quiet. I did not, they were talking about horrible ways to go when I just like, oh, I'm going to die by my own hand. I know that. And, um, but I didn't speak of that. My first attempt was age like 13. What I count as the real attempts were things that I did to myself that made me land in hospitals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that was five throughout my teenage years. Um, I later met a psychiatrist who said, anytime you did something with the intention of harming yourself, that was a suicide attempt. Mm. And I was like, wow, because I like a lot of, lot of intentional drinking and driving. I, I was once, um, I had the cops pull guns on me and I dared them to shoot me and didn't listen to them and they did not. Um, lots of revving my car, you know, headed towards a, a brick wall of a loading dock and just veering away at the last second, which I don't count that. I, I couldn't go through with it, right? I was weak, so that yeah. doesn't count. Um, semantics a little bit but yeah 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 so it all depends but you know i was i just counted the quote unquote the real ones i i don't go into specifics just because mm-hmm. they were i i don't want to give someone an idea they haven't had yet right uh, but sure. obviously everything everything i tried i really thought it would kill me obviously yeah. it did not yeah and and again it was after after i had i think i was like 19 years old and i had just attempted in a way that I had tempted previously, mm-hmm. didn't work for a second mm-hmm. time. And I just remember just, uh, just in the curled up in the fetal position, bawling and just thinking, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, I can't mm-hmm. even do this right, which is yeah. just a common thought if you've attempted, mm-hmm. you know, I can't live, I can't die. Like, what mm-hmm. the fuck? What am I supposed to do? And, mm-hmm. and somehow that gave me my first glimmer of hope that maybe. I am supposed to be alive. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's a point to all this. And that's the notion of sharing. Like maybe I'm going through this because I'm supposed to share it as opposed to keep, because I I still was not, I would be forced into help. Mm -hmm. I never took advantage of help yet. Um, I thought I was beyond help. I thought it was hopeless and helpless. I thought if anybody really knew how dark I felt, they would run away. Mm. Um, I thought I would lose my parents and friends if I really told them how gross I felt, how often I felt that bad. Yeah. It's tricky. I mean, it's a podcast. We're limited to words and language, and they don't always express how we're feeling, particularly numbers of years ago. I do ask everybody, well, why did you try? It's the, it's the most unfair question I ask yeah, because yeah. it's like, I don't fucking know why. Like you just said earlier and a few minutes ago, you were having thoughts as early or earlier than eight years old. Yeah. Is there a why, I guess is the better question. Oh, I, I totally be, believe there is always a why. It's rarely what we think it is. Mm. That, that quote unquote final straw, it's mm-hmm. never because of that. Right. Like that's the final pushing point. That's when we right. finally give up. I, I believe suicide attempts are mine. Yeah. Were, were rooted in a complete lack of love for myself. Okay. I thought it was unlovable. I thought it was broken. I thought it was so flawed. I just, I, I was just, I was, I was this so fucked up of a human being. I was beyond anybody's help. And I wasn't worthy of being helped. Right. 
but so you're done. Like you're yeah. done at that point. I mean, yeah. you know, but here's what's interesting. I only had one other person that I've talked to shared with me. It was like under 10 years old where they really started to. So you felt that way in as much as you can remember today at eight years old, unworthy, unlovable. Correct me if my words are not accurate, please, at any time. Is that accurate? That is accurate. And when I was 20 years old in a hospital, I finally had a memory of being molested at like age five and six. Got it. And I thought, aha, mm-hmm. that, ah, that's what's been blocked all this time. That, and I can remember, like, I did not, I decided at really young age, the world's not safe. I yeah. better keep it all to myself. I can't yeah. trust adults. I can't trust anybody. The, the molestation started when my parents got divorced. So I was afraid that if I spoke up, I would be the next man kicked out of my house. So at age six, I just said, well, buckle it down, shut up, don't tell them. I was yeah. the only child, so it was easy to know. And, and in hindsight, my parents could say, oh, they, they could see the change, but they thought it was just a divorce. Like my mood, right. my oh. demeanor, everything changed me. So, you know, everyone else had, a, had something to, to blame for this change. Mm-hmm. And, and I decided to blame me. Yeah. And it's, and it's common for any child to blame themselves for sure. a, a divorce, but then to be molested. And I, again, I didn't want to give some excuse for me to not to be a, a good boy. So circumstances were definitely a, against me. My, my dad was an alcoholic. He was also manic depressive. Um, I, don't, I don't have conscious memory of this, but he'll tell me that one of the first things I did as a human being was sit in a waiting room while he got shock therapy and hear him screaming. Mm. Um, so... I doubt that made a good impression. Right. <laughs> so there were just lots of things. And, and my dad often told me growing up that high school were the best years of your life. And I'm in elementary school already plotting my demise. I'm like, well, why does anyone, I'll, I'll live till I'm 18 and then I'll die. Why, why would I bother to go to not the best years of my life? That makes no sense. So there was circumstantial reasons. There was this, I thought it was logical. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'll outsmart life. I'll just live this good chunk. And as wow. I went on, th- that those those good years were very challenging. So there were, right. there were many attempts to end those years even before I was eighteen. Yeah, I think that people who are in pain, that kind of pain, don't hear enough of. I was in that very similar kind of pain, and sometimes that means we need to get a little granular. So one of the questions I ask is, can you put words to that kind of pain, the kind of pain in which you? Try to take your life several times. There's abs- I, I saw absolutely no future. Mm-hmm. I thought the pain, the emotional pain, the physical pain, that, that tight gut, that clenched throat, that not being able to do anything that I thought I wanted, just, just all I could see and feel was darkness and heaviness and weight. And I thought this is how it is always going to be. The moments of happiness and joy, those were the lies. This is mm-hmm. the truth. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have depression. I am depression. Mm-hmm. I don't have suicidal thoughts that come and go. No, I am suicidal thoughts. That's yeah. how imposing it all felt. And, and again, I thought this is nothing to share. I, ne- I never wrote a note. I did not express. They were attempt, attempt, mm. attempt before anyone knew something was going on. I, I was good in school. Um, mm-hmm. There was a point in junior high when I was cutting myself and teachers saw it and you know, everybody would want to think, oh, Andy does great in school. He, whatever. So whatever bullshit I gave someone as a reason for something, they, they took it. Like nobody yeah. wanted to decide that I was, you know, in, in horrible straits. There's this emotional tunnel vision. How bad I feel is how I will always feel. 
Mm-hmm. And it makes more sense when you're 12 or 13 or 14 and you don't have you know, a little time and experience like I guess we do now. When you're 13, 14, 15, it's like, man. Yeah. What's it like to want to die and then not? You don't want to be here. And then at some point you're waking up, right? This is one of the things that prompted me to go public too. Because when I was a kid, I never saw any, you know, people, you, you, you know, you don't, this isn't the way, you don't want to feel this bad. I never heard of or met anyone, saw any adult go, oh, I want, used to want to die. And now I wow. don't. Like, really? That's like, so that was never introduced to that. So that's one thing that I wanted to talk about. And that's Definitely. why I went public. So I had heard stories and seen on the news, like uh, there'd be a teenager on Oprah or something that, you know, uh, I laid down on the rail track and the train ran over my legs, but I was so happy to be alive. And, and these, you know, they see the light. They have that moment. It's that high. It takes one attempt. That was not my experience. I, the first time I woke up in an emergency room following an, an attempt that my most, okay, they all were serious. My, the, the one that, brought me the closest to death. I, w- I was actually, you know, unconscious. I don't know if I call it a coma. I was, you know, I was unconscious for 12 hours. I don't remember being brought to the hospital or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I woke up and I realized where I am. And I was like, fuck, I'm alive. Fuck. I was not happy. I was mad. And then I realized where I was. And the nurse is some, is a mom of two people I, go, I knew from high school. And now it's, oh, fuck. Now everyone's going to know life is getting worse by the moment. And, uh, yeah, I was never, I shouldn't say never, I, at like age 13, my first attempt just scared me. And mm. I was like, so that, it didn't work. And I was just terrified. And I thought, oh my God, I, I, I don't want this. All right, good. This didn't, this didn't work. Okay, this will never happen again. Um, but again, I didn't, I didn't get help. I just scared myself to want to live that moment. Um, but no, no unburdening of, of what brought me there. Right? Mm. It is astounding you're alive. <laughs> you know, I never, yeah, I got, I, I, I would, ideally I could stop and like celebrate, take credit for that. You know, I, uh, just, it's unlikely that you're here. Yeah. And sometimes in, as, as I went on and became a speaker, I would go to events and hear all the risk factors. And I remember being at a conference not that long ago, like six years ago. And they giving me all the risk factors for suicide. And I'm like, holy shit, I have every single one of these. <laughs> this is, I, I, I felt horrible. Uh, you know, I, I, I left that place more depressed than I went in for sure. I just felt doomed. And that's one, that's a problem with data yeah. when you just hit with statistics. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to think happy people were just woo at the top. Just all, they were like Ned Flanders. Just like Oakley, right. Oakley, everything's great. They're just this one static, happy mood. And I was just this one static, blah, dark mood in the basement of life with occasional peaks of sunshine. Right. Yeah, but that's not the case. That's this this emotional tunnel vision that that mm-hmm. someone who is um, has a history of suicidal thoughts or or bipolar or you know mood swings, whatever you want to call it, we, we think kind of other people. We think normal is this one thing, but you know we will always have emotional ups and downs. Mm-hmm. It's just that ideally the downs aren't that so down that you want to die. My not my bad days today probably feel better than anything could have imagined when I was suicidal, right? Mm. Do you ever ideate? Oh yeah, I'm not, I don't know that that will ever be mm-hmm. gone. And cause I, I tell people often, if, if you've ever seriously contemplated ending your life, that thought will always be lurking somewhere. Mm. And it's lurking for when you're weak 
you're tired, you're full of doubts. It'll always be there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, sometimes it shows up and I laugh at it. Like, like really? Over this? Come on. You know, even I can laugh at this. Um, right. And other times not. But, and another thing that is important, and I didn't, I wasn't, this wasn't shared to me when I was growing up. Suicidal thoughts are so common, mm-hmm. right? Having the thought, having a suicidal thought, it, it's not a sign of mental illness. It's mm. not a sign. Of, it just is a sign, especially now with pandemics and riots and all these things. Sometimes wanting to check out can be the sanest thought possible. Right? You're, you're, pre- just, you're pre- preaching to the choir, baby. <laughs> it's acting on it. That's the key. So having the thought, great. Don't, don't condemn yourself. Don't beat yourself up. It's when you're like, you know what? I think I'm going to do this. That's, yeah. that's the danger zone, right? That's the danger zone. No, I'm not a doctor, and I don't think you are, right? No. So let's play doctor for a second. If you try to end your life, are you mentally ill? I do not think so. Hmm. Not by definition. Obviously, you might be, but that by right, a, you're right. alone you could be. may not be. Right. That doesn't. And again, because that's often. So I was given lots of different medications. Mm-hmm. They did not, quote unquote, cure me uh, of anything. So, you know, that's why it's it's just not. It, an illness. It's just not some chemical imbalance. Um, again, for me, it was in realizing I had power over my thoughts mm-hmm. and feeling disgusting, feeling like I want to die, finally became the clue that I'm probably dwelling on the worst aspects. I'm ruminating on how shitty everything is. I'm ruminating on victimhood. I'm ruminating on everything I've ever done wrong and that'll never change. We all have the power to go, all right. I'm going to think about making scrambled eggs. Right. Like, oh, well, that's weird. That changes my mood. and But no, and it goes back. And when it snaps back, that's when a lot of people just give up. But yeah. the, that moment of break was enough for me to like, hey, I felt different for that split second. So it works. It's just, again, it, when you're used to living in the emotional gutter, it takes more conscious effort to lift yourself out. I mean, that's what's mm-hmm. called, you know, we're in a rut. And that rut is literally in our brain. We're, we're, I, I had this, you know, the most negative neural pathways were the most thought. Yeah. So it was easiest to fall into those. So I had to pick myself up and decide to make a different rut. I'm going to make a new rut that says, hey, everything looks great. Right? Even if I'm freaking lying, I'm going to make that rut for a while. Did it feel fake at first or did it feel like, all right, this is the, the time is right? You know, it, no, it felt, it felt very real at first. That's what made me realize this, this is something. But so, I would sometimes have to fake it to choose and pick a thought. Mm. But uh, you know, when, when I really had this experience, I, I remember I was sitting in my bedroom and I'd look outside and I'd see a tree and I'd just picture myself hanging. Mm. And I'd think, maybe I should get the noose. Maybe I should, do I have rope? What do, should I go up? Do I need to buy some rope? And I just, that's all I thought. And then my dog came in the room. I'm like, oh. And it, mm. it like, I, wow, the pressure just relieved. And I said, all right, look at the tree, feel horrible. Look at my dog, pet my dog. Should we go play ball? Wow, I, I would feel different in the split second of what I chose to focus on. And so that's what proved to me that yeah. there's something here, right? I'm not just at the mercy of my thoughts and emotions and chemicals, right? I, I do still have some control. I am able to drive my ship. Yeah. Did you ever get a diagnosis that felt right? <laughs> I never even got the same diagnosis. Um, Hospitalized five times, different diagnosis every time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'd, it's like I'd, chucking darts. Yeah. And again, if some people, if, if you feel liberated and relieved by getting a diagnosis, having a label, having something to point to, great. Yeah. Um, but 
you are not a label. You are no. not a diagnosis. So if it feels like a weight, if it feels restrictive as opposed to freeing, then you know, throw sure. it away. I want to know how people respond to somebody who is suicidal, has attempted, or how did people respond in ways that were either helpful or useful or the opposite of that? In the high school years, I definitely lost friends that just couldn't deal. Like you, you're back in school and you just, you tried to die. Like, I, I don't know what to do with that, man. And they just would walk away. Mm. And I, I could get that. Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. You know, um, it, to me as this, as the suicidal person, and it was definitely coming from me and it's coming from a lot of people that I talked to when you're thinking about ending your own life, you spin the story that it's actually going to help your friends and family. Sure, you might feel bad for a day or two, but then you won't have to worry about me. I'm not going to be pulling everyone down like I am, and you'll move on. Everyone will be better. And that's so, you know, that, that we tell ourselves these lies to make our, our destructive actions easier for us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I definitely had friends that couldn't, you know, were bothered and triggered. And, you know, I think that's when you hear like, oh, Fred died. Like, oh, that's too bad. He killed himself. Oh, it's like, oh, it's this another level of gut punch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's because if if they did, might I, right? It, I think it makes, the, it's that mirror. Like we're all reflecting ourselves back to each other. And if they felt so bad that they ended the life, you know, how, how can I keep going? Or, you know, yeah. I felt that bad too. I, so I think there's this moment of self-reflection that it brings up that's uncomfortable for people. But I, I, I had friends, you know, welcome me back home by, hey, let's go get drunk. And, mm-hmm. and I did, and that did not, help anything mm-hmm. um but at least i wasn't alone was my yeah opinion. yeah i mean it makes sense were there people let's assume well-intentioned people that cared about you friend family who were helpful like what did that look like i always wonder people who hear this by the way i'm such a newbie i'm celebrating my almost 1000th download just i know you're a podcaster i'm like what you yeah. gotta i didn't think that was gonna happen so well, I'm that, doing my best to figure this shit out. It's slow, but it's happening. The, the key is you celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah. No, everything. 40, oh, I did a thing. Great. 48 countries, baby. Yeah. Um, so I'm learning as I go. I'm sure you know those pains. Well, that, that's life. Again, when I, you know, suicidal is this closed worldview. I thought life sucks, then you die. But when I'm willing to be wrong, willing to like learn yeah. new things, like, holy shit. And the big difference for me is, and this almost will sound corny, but it is so true for me. I'm like, oh, that one person in Laos really might have needed to hear what Andy said. Mm. So the numbers aren't about when can I advertise. Yeah. <laughs> it, it re- and I don't know if I've ever said this before about anything in my life. Like, oh, these numbers might mean that someone's hearing this. And one thing someone says might make someone feel a little better. I'm like, well, fuck yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. That's one of, an, another like addictive feeling, but it's so cool to be hooked on yeah. helping people or, yeah. oh, or like feedback that, that something matters. I find when so many people like share their, you know, addiction or their mental health challenges, whatever it may be, there's like, I just want to help one person, right? right? If I could save a life, it's all worth it. And I said that same thing too. And yeah. I, I still remember the first person that told me that. And it was maybe a month after I said, if I just help one person and I met a stranger, they only knew me from YouTube. And they're like, they gave me a big hug. And like, I thought I was going to kill myself. You popped up on my screen and I'm still here. Mm. I was like, wow, it doesn't get old. Um, Nah, right? Good. 
Yeah, that's good medicine, man. Yeah. One of the things I like to talk about is the people in our lives who are well-intentioned, who are inadvertently making things worse by the things they say. I focus on the things and the words. It could also be actions or silence sometimes. It, I find that there people say stuff that isn't helpful. And I like to ask your experience with that, if it applies. That was a very long question. I hope it was clear. No, I mean, there's, there's all the older cliches that, you know, suck it up, man up, you know, what you crying about. So yeah, anytime someone tries to sum up your, your suicide attempt or your depression with a cliche, yeah, probably not helpful. That's a good rule. Find the best thing people can do. They don't, they don't have to do anything. Just be there. Like, listen to me, look at me crying and just stay there. Like, like, don't run away. Don't try to fix me. Just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I hear you, man. I, 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 I hear, I feel your pain. I'm right here. And that can be the biggest thing someone can do. Huge. We don't learn that. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, which is astounding to me. I'm not taking away from all the things we do learn formally and informally. Very few people learn that. And I... That's a weird kind of thing to not learn that. It's pretty important, though. Well, you know, most humans in our society don't want to feel uncomfortable. I believe that every addictive behavior is a way to, like, hide our feelings. So if if Mm -hmm. you're someone that's been battling emotional, mental challenges, you're you're triggering people to feel. Mm. So that's why the people that mean good, like, well, let's get drunk. Let's get high. Come on. Let's go forget about everything you just did. And, like, you know, I... I'll keep repeating this pattern if my goal is to forget about everything I just did. And it took me repeating my pattern for a long time for me to get that. But yeah, it, you, you got to grow up. You got to take responsibility. That was one mm-hmm. thing I was afraid of. I thought responsibility meant blame. Mm. Um, it, it's realizing that I was the hindrance. Mm-hmm. Instead, of, it's, it's, it's so, so much easier to blame others, right? Because that could, oh, it gives us some space. But when we can accept responsibility for our decisions, for our actions, that is the only time you're empowered enough to possibly change it. If I think, Sean, you're the reason you called me an asshole and now you, you used to be close and now we're not, it's all your fault. I'm like, no, none of it that is, mm. right? But it, it's an outlet, it's an expression to blame someone else. But if it's really, if it's everything that you did, Sean, then I am screwed. Because yeah. I can't change you. Nope. <laughs> I can only change me. And, and once I realized responsibility for myself and my life allowed me to change myself and my life, that, that was a huge turning point. When did that process begin where you started to change? I guess that is the right word. It was that moment of, of feeling that glimmer of hope when I had, I had done so many attempts and I'm repeating myself and I'm like, all right, this, obviously this, is not, this, this road is not working for me either. And, and it was really, yeah, when I've, I, I, you know, I had, I live a miserable life or I die. And I was forced to see, wait, there must be other options in between those. Mm. And so, you know, I got into uh, personal growth. I got into spirituality. Uh, you know, I really, I didn't grow up with any sort of religion. I want to die because I want everything to stop. It was not, oh, I'll go to heaven or my uh, horrible, I'll go to hell. Like, I just, nope, I just want everything to freaking stop. I don't want mm. to be an after anything. I want to be rotting in the ground, the end. I have since had enough weird experiences to realize that, yep, 
It's not just now. There is more. If, if I prematurely end my life, it, it makes what's next harder. Like there, there are things that as a human being, I can, I can deal with and get help with and release here that, that ending my own life, there's a gravitas, there's a weight, there's an energy that, that just makes whatever's next worse somehow mm. or more difficult than it has to be. Yeah. What point did you, were you at a place where you could start some of the work that you're doing today? What did that look like? Uh, that's good. It's been a solid 10 years. I, uh, uh, probably 12 years ago, I was on this internet call with a guy leading a meditation. I forget why. I, I, I think actually it was the secret when that first came out. That yeah. gave me the possibility like, wait a minute, I can choose thoughts and that changes my emotion. Like it wasn't about manifest a brand new Lamborghini. Cool. It was more like just this notion of, wait, I'm control things. I was never told that. I was told I was being controlled by my emotions, not that I could get in front of them. So that's what I got from that book. And that put me on different email lists and webinars and stuff. Yeah. And I was on this, this you know, call with thousands of people online and guy Dave, David Morelli was leading us through a meditation and I thought meditation was, you know, um, and just sit quietly. And, but he was talking us through stuff and calling energy into us. And I felt stuff. Mm. And I felt energy coming out of my palms. I, I felt like I was freaking Iron Man, like shooting rays. I was like, what is happening? What's I have never been aware of this. And I felt fantastic. Yeah. I felt high. I was like, I, I don't know what this is, but I'm learning more. And I followed him. I eventually got trained by him. I was part wow. of his inaugural class. I did a year-long energy coaching program. And the first six months were all just clearing out your own shit. Wow. And that's really why I signed up. Like, let's, let's run this. Let me know what's going on and how to separate other people's energies. I learned that I was empathic. And this really wreaked hell on me as a kid. Because I can remember, um, I remember being in school in like third grade, second grade, and just bawling. And, and cut, like, why am I crying? This makes no sense. And I felt like, oh, I'm picking up fear. I was, I, like, I was, I was so, like, porous. The uh -huh. emotions of people around me would be expressed through me. So mm. it wasn't even mine. Um, and, and, again, that's made me think that I was just broken and flawed and just, and just this freak. And I was beyond help because I can't even I'm, – I'm, I had no problem being emotional. But I'm like, where is this coming from? And then I, I shut that down. Years later, I had to get drunk and able to cry. So I, I stuffed everything well enough, then I couldn't express anything. So I had to go back and use something to open me up. But so I, I do this energy program and I'm just like feeling better and, and, you know, able to pull out densities and able to unpack things and having memories and, and just taking things apart. And halfway through it, people are asking me if I'm going to be a coach. And I'm mm -hmm. like, why? Well, that's mm -hmm. what your program in, Randy. Oh, oh, I oh yeah, we're going to turn this around and help others. Oh yeah. I like. Because even at that point, you know, I had a, <laughs> the first time I went to college, I dropped out because the next semester had a mandatory public speaking class. That's how afraid of speaking I was. That's how afraid of being seen I was. Mm -hmm. I dropped out to avoid it. Um, so even back then, 10 years ago, I was like, I, I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> I don't want to be seen. I'm like, I want to feel better, but I can't, you know, share anything. Yeah. <laughs> So it was, but it was slowly, it was around that time that I did like my first videos and discovered, oh, wait, you know, okay, I am good at this. And sharing does help people and, and coaching people and, and got, helping anyone else 
makes you feel better too. That's a big thing. I No one taught me or maybe they did. Maybe as a Boy Scout, I was supposed to help old ladies cross the street and I didn't take advantage of it. But being of service to others, especially when you're invisible and focused on how much you suck, yeah. if you can build up the energy, the thought, and just do something for somebody to shift mm-hmm. that, that, that changes a lot. How do you reach somebody? Because it's real men feel, right? Real men feel is the organization. So how do you, like, if you were talking to 13-year-old Andy, and we don't have to do that exercise, you were not probably going to be, it wouldn't have connected. Yeah, your stuff is great, but I want to fucking kill myself. What now? What do you do there? So everything I do now on a daily basis and, and love and brings me joy is something I made fun of for years first. Mm. And everything I do with clients is something I learned to, to, to literally save my life. Mm. So I have no problem being, you know, you've got to hear something for the first time. Yeah. And the odds are, yeah, if I introduce, you know, 10 different techniques and you're all going, that's all crazy. That's, that's nonsense. This, that's all woo woo, whatever, whatever it is that comes up in you. Great. Cause the next time it'll be a little less next time it'll be less. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's no, and, and that's, where so taught to or not taught. I guess. Yeah. Advertising media teaches us to, you know, want that silver bullet and like, yeah, here's the one thing I worked, worked immediately. You can buy it at Walmart. Go ahead. And like, that doesn't exist. Yeah. The hack, quick hack. You know, mm. the, the quickest hack, which took me a long time, is is to love yourself. It really is. To when I could finally see that my vulnerability, my the the weakness that kept me alive and had me veer away from smashing my car, that was my strength. Mm. It took a long time to reframe that to see it as the truth, right? So most people <laughs> don't want to admit that they've been wrong. Mm-hmm. They've been lying to themselves, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. you know, especially when, when I was 17, I was so certain that suicide made sense and was logical. I thought I could debate anyone. I'm like, if you're not suicidal, you're ignoring reality. Right. right? You've got your head in the sand. Don't you see how shitty everything is? What kind of moron are you? And I was like, wow, what a, how full of shit was I? <laughs> you know? And now I'm, like, I'm willing to see that I'm full of shit. I'm willing to be wrong because I'd rather be happy than be right. Yeah. Suicidal Andy insisted on being right. Mm-hmm. But as far as not connecting, it, when someone reaches out to me, if they're in crisis, they're actively suicidal, I can't help you. You've got to you know, go to a hospital, call the police. Your, your safety is paramount. I, right. can't, I can't keep you safe over the phone or Zoom. Right. Um, I talk to lots of people that it's their background. I've had so many people in a conversation with me will admit to making an attempt and they'll say, nobody else knows this. Yeah. And it might've been a month ago, might've been 10 years ago. Mm. Yeah. But, but that, that again, cause that pain is there. And that thought, if you had that thought, it's there. And I also talk to people sometimes that I just don't get it. Why would anyone do this? I'm like, if you don't understand wanting to die, don't try to understand it. Like be right. glad. Like this is that's I actually a huge, that's a great message. If you don't understand it, don't try to understand it. I'll talk to parents who've lost a child to to Mm. suicide and they're tormenting themselves. Like if you can't figure out that pain, be glad. Yeah. Right. Keep living your life. You don't, you know, you don't follow someone's uh, suicidal act as a way to honor them or fall. No, no. Live your best fricking happiest life as a tribute to someone who can't. Yeah. Over Andy's left shoulder. I see, 
Real Men Feel, realmenfeel.org. And then there's what I want to ask about is there's four words, warrior, lover, magician, and king. What are those about? So those are the four main archetypes of masculinity. Mm -hmm. And often in American culture, men are allowed to be warrior and you're always on and you're always on the attack. It's because there's the aggressive warrior and that's all that we're ever shown. Mm -hmm. Um, Magician is being willing to, you know, to meditate, to soften, to create, to express. And, and lover is being that open heart, you know, that connection. And, you know, admitting that you want love, which all mm. humans want, but some men will never admit that that's something they're after. Um, and the notion of the king is your ability to bring it all together. And go back to being responsible, right? Yeah. You, you are the king of your life, your identity, your manhood, and you pay, bring those all together. But if you're just living you know, one of those four archetypes or all of them at 10% or something, you know, you're not really living yet. Mm -hmm. So your organization focuses on that and helping people get, raising them up more consistently and more yep, of yep. them more often? Yep. And it's all like, it's, it be, all begins with awareness. Mm -hmm. Oh, a, a man is more than I was told? Oh. And that's, you know, that's what begins. And someone might hear that and go, well, what, a, what a crock of shit that is. I don't care what your reaction is to it. I just know I need to keep presenting it. Yeah. Come back. Yeah. That's yeah. a good and name. It, I, I like the name of that. Real men feel. Yeah. And it came from, I was asked to give us talk on masculinity like over five, almost five years ago. And I was like, sure, I'll do that. And then I said like, fuck, what am I going to say? Like, right. like I, am I a man? I don't like, I, so many times I thought like, well, no, I, geez, I, I'm quick to cry. I'm emotional. I'm, I'm a real softy. Um, I'm like, am I even a man? And like, what, wouldn't it be cool if, if like real men weren't just lumberjacks and, you know, uh, Rambo movies, but they felt. And so that's that part of the presentation stuck with me. And, but it also means real as an authentic, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you're not a man if you don't feel. I'm like, you know, like, no, what, you know, to be authentic, you must feel. Yeah. Imagine somebody's listening and hearing your words and they are uh, suicidal. They do not need to go to the hospital. They're not at that point, but they are contemplating. Actually, let me take that back. Let me go back. Perhaps they should go to the hospital. I never want people to hear this and I don't know what they're going to think. But the point of the question is, is there anything you could say to them? It's okay. Mm -hmm. it, it is okay to feel that bad. Mm. Right? And let feeling that bad be a sign that you're alive. Let being upset, not liking things, you know, well, you're alive. Because mm. if, if, you, if you take the worst action, if you ended your life, it's just, it's worse. And that's not something I always got. And I don't mean, you know, morally, religiously, but it's just, I'm really like, it's worse. That, that's, why, that's why trying to cure yourself, it takes effort. It's hard. Like mm -hmm. that's life saying, no, don't do this. Like all of your being is screaming for you to keep living, keep breathing, keep going on. Right. Right. So all the, you know, and that's why I'm like, why did it take me more than once? To, you know, or like that thought, think about something else. Like this feels so gross because it's what you're thinking about. Yeah. Right. So do your best to do something else, but for, just know it's okay. Again, it's common. It's okay. You'll get through it if you choose to. And what about to the people who are in that person's life who have no idea what to do or say yep. and are, are not worried? 
So depending on how worried you are, right? You, you do want to make sure someone is safe. I, yeah. I had this weird, and I don't know if this is true for, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not true for suicidal people. So I'm not even going to try to say anything like that. It was true for me that I was bizarrely honest. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, are you going to, are you going to, you know, how bad does it feel? Oh yeah. I want to die. Yeah. All right. Are you going to do, can I leave you for this hour? Yeah, you can. Like I, I, because someone was there and I know you want to help. So yeah, I'm not going to screw you by, uh-huh. I, I cut my throat when Sean turned his back. Like, I know that would like, I know that would upset you for at least the day. Um, but just be there, you know, look them in the eye. D- don't run away. Don't, I, oh, I, I remember when I was like 12 years old visiting uh, friends of the family and parents were chastising their, their youngest daughter because she had tried to OD on a bottle of aspirins. And it was like the day before she had done this and they were laughing and making fun of her like, no, what an idiot, that, what, what kind of a, you know, nobody knows, everybody knows that doesn't work. What a fool you are. And I wanted to go freaking strangle these people. And so that's what not to do, right? right. Don't belittle, D- don't judge, don't put down, just be there, mm-hmm. right? Hear their pain and don't run away. Do your best not to shut down, right? If it's, if it's friends and family, loved ones, like hug, cry, cry along with it. If they're crying, cry right with them. If they're swearing, like start swearing with them, like join them. If someone else venting, helping someone else, helping them to express and just be okay. Reminded, you know, you're human. Like I get it. Yeah. You know, like I have no idea what to do, honey, but I'm right here. Um, mm-hmm. That's the, some of the best things my parents ever said. Like I knew they always, they might not know too, but I knew I could tell them anything. I knew that even when I hated myself, when I wanted to hate them, I knew they loved me. Mm-hmm. But that's this weird thing for parents too. Like if my mom doesn't love me, well, fuck, even my mom doesn't love me. Life sucks. If my yeah. mom does love me, well, she's my mom. Of course she has to love me. That doesn't count. Right? We all have a way of, of using the facts sure. to back up however we're feeling. We're really good at that. We're masters at that. Yeah. How has the uh, last, what has it been, five months been for you in the sort of new lockdown craziness? So I've worked from home for 15 years. I don't have kids, so the pandemic hasn't changed my day-to-day that much. If you already knew Zoom. Yes, I did. I sure did. Right. And, uh, you know, there was a point during it, like April or May, I started to feel bad because I wasn't feeling bad. And I was like, that's peculiar. Hmm. Right. I'm just going to sit with it. Um, But so I I made an effort to really share more positivity than ever. Um, I really just try to put only the best news on social media. I I don't try to feed anything else. Um, And I also just put myself out there. I've been on a number of podcasts and Facebook's live, just openly talking about race with, Mm. with uh, African-Americans and, showing up in a panel and being, you know, the, the token white guy trying to just, here I am. And, you know, yeah, I'm willing to be wrong. And, yeah. you know, I can, oh yeah, I can see. Yeah. Privilege is real. Well, I get it. And I had no idea how scary it was to be black in America. I get it now. I, you know, I don't, my eyes are open. I yeah, don't get it. Right. I right. not live that, but I'm like, holy crap. I had no <laughs> idea it was this bad for you. I had no idea you were this terrified. You said earlier, uh, awareness yeah the starting point mm-hmm. without it you don't it's tough yeah huh. yeah 
Yeah, if you're trying to change your life and you're not aware of what the issues are, you, you know, you're just blindly like buying a yeah. different color paint, painting a room with 17 colors at once and wondering why it doesn't look good or. Totally. Open-ended question, because I don't always assume I ask the right questions or the best questions about your experience with suicide, your attempts, your recovery. Uh, what did I leave out? What else do you want to share? However bad you feel, you're not alone. However bad you feel, someone, many people have felt that bad and gotten better. How gross you might feel in any given moment, just decide this is the low point of my life. Mm. And instead of ending it there, start to, to rise up, right? Start to see and feel and imagine. You know, I, I mentioned energy work. Just imagine better. We're so used to, you know, imagining the worst, imagining our demise, imagining that things can only be better if we're dead. So imagine something better. Like give, give your heart, give your soul a break. And that can feel like the real effort. Just imagine you're someone else, right? Imagine whatever it can, just to give you that, uh, bring that weight off of you. Mm. But, and, and the other big thing is this is something that I did not live this for a long time. Silence kills. Mm. If you're feeling bad, if you're feeling like you're going to do something, if you're plotting and planning, don't keep it a secret, mm -hmm. right? Um, you can use the crisis text line. You can call you know, uh, a suicide prevention hotline. If you don't feel there's someone in your circle that you feel safe to use a stranger. And like, and I've, I've made use of all those tools and you know, they, they can, they can help. They can be a support. Um, there's a better way to kind of release that built up tension than making an attempt on your life. Mm -hmm. Like I found when I was like, Oh, I'm just gonna, you know, if I told someone what I was playing, like that, like, ah, oh, that, that exhale, um, was more powerful and helpful than uh, taking an action. Because there was a while, it seemed like I was, I was hooked on making attempts. Because mm -hmm. things got better. Like, I, I felt better. Like, it did, it was like, I released the cork by trying to die. And like, nope, not a, not a path I recommend at all, but that's what I was doing. Yeah. And if somebody hears this, and they or somebody they know are thinking, I like Andy. Andy seems pretty cool. Maybe I can team up with him and join his coaching crew or whatever it looks like. How do they get a hold of you? I'll put it in the show notes, but what's the realmenfeel.org world like for them and you? So the so everything I'm up to, you'll find at theandygrant.com. Theandygrant.com. Correct. And you know, one of my books is called Still Here, How to Succeed at Life After Failing at Suicide. And that's everything I wish I knew like at 17. It's everything that has helped me. And it's all the things I weren't, was, was not taught at all. Nice. So there's that. And it's intentionally, as an ebook, it's 99 cents. Like nice. I'm intentionally want no barrier to entry to, to feeling better and, and tools. And um, I have a couple books on using positive affirmations. Uh -huh. Again, that, it's free. Yeah. To think, to say something nice about yourself is freaking free. But these books give you some ways to how to do it. And again, they're in, intentionally inexpensive. Audiobook, paperback, ebook, however fits awesome. you the most. Um, but yeah, Real Men Feel is the podcast. This week released episode 200. Woo! Talk about um, you're, you're, I'm on number 13, baby. Yeah. You'll, you'll probably be around 20. So hey, I'm following in your footsteps, man. Bald yeah. man night. Yeah. I mean, you can't get to 100 without hitting 13 and 20. So it, it all, you just keep, 
for podcasting, for living your life, for staying alive, always just take the best, smallest step you can. Yeah. Right. Don't don't try to fix everything, and that you know that pressure is what keeps us trapped. Just do one thing. You know, find something to laugh at. Right, and just remember, wow, I can still do that. That's one thing that opened my mind. I, I was hospitalized and I was following a suicide attempt. I've been diagnosed as, as clinically depressed and I'm watching Seinfeld and the Simpsons and I'm laughing in the hospital. I'm like, wait a minute. They said I'm clinically depressed. How come I'm laughing now? Mm. This, you know, and it was the same day. It was my first day there. So I'm you know, going bawling through intake and now and I'm still in a Johnny. I refuse to help. I was brought in an ambulance. I'm not dressed. I'm just, I'm making as, <laughs> I'm making life as difficult as I can for the people trying to help me because right. I'm an asshole wow. at times. Um, and then I'm laughing like, aha, see, I'm laughing. You are all wrong. <laughs> you know? But, you know, it's true. Uh, find something to laugh at. Find something you enjoy. And I know in the darkest times, there's just nothing. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. And when you're not in front of a computer, which I think you're probably in front of a computer or a mic somewhat often, What's one thing? Uh, what's one thing that brings you joy outside of the stuff we've talked about? I love movies, concerts. I've always had a dog. I've got my uh, third dog in my house here. Nice. Yeah. What kind? Uh, I'll, I'll shelter dogs. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, she's she, her name's Scout. She definitely gets some pit bull in her. She got some hound dog. Gotcha. Awesome, bro. This has been this has been super super good, man. I really appreciate it and. Uh, I also, by the way, this is a weird thing that won't probably make the final version after I edit it, but thank you for not going overboard. And you didn't do it at all of like plugging your stuff. Yeah, no, I'm, it, yeah. Just, yes. That's the thing. There's like a circuit of podcasters and that's, I respect it because you just gave me 50 plus minutes of your time. So I'm happy. You know, I don't have much of a following, but nonetheless, but you just got real and thank you for that because that, that's what this particular podcast is about is you really being real. Yeah. Again, real men feel is yeah, not yeah. a catchphrase. It's not a catchphrase at all. And yeah, I've been on, I'll be on shows and uh, I've had my business coach tell me, did you make an offer? I'm like, huh? I'm like, no, my offer, my, I'm my offer. I'm here You're talking to offer. people. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, your yeah. business coach might be right, but I, I for yeah. me, I, I, I will connect with people who just keep it real. Yeah. 100% believe people will hear this. And, uh, and their lives will be better for it. And so um, thank you so, so much. My pleasure. All right. Stay well, Andy. Take All care. Right. Okay. Bye. Good touch. Bye. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening. A special thanks to Andy up in Massachusetts. For now, we are releasing new episodes every Monday and Thursday, so stay tuned for those. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and we also have a YouTube channel, so you can hop over there. Until we connect again, stay strong, do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.